Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. start today by looking at two things. First, what exactly is the Love Him team? Uh, So far, the two ministry teams that we've talked about, it's been pretty self-explanatory, right? Know Him equals learning and growing in community. Share Him equals sharing the love of Jesus with everyone. So naturally, love Him must equal loving God, right? Well, basically, yeah, that's it. But the goal of the Love Him team is to create and nurture a space for us to engage in worship, uh, which leads to the second starting point. What is worship? Now, it's, uh, is it coming to this building and singing or listening uh, to a few songs? Is it listening to a sermon? Is it taking communion, eating breakfast? What is worship? So as I was putting this message together, I was trying to think of a way to define worship, or more specifically, Christian worship. And this topic led me down one of those infamous rabbit holes, which consequently led me down a different rabbit hole that's a little bit shorter on the use of the phrase rabbit holes versus rabbit trails. Um, It is actually rabbit holes, if you're curious. It gets its origin from Lewis Carroll's uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know, with the white rabbit. But I digress. So the rabbit hole that I went down was on Christian worship, and specifically the history of it. Now, there have been many, many books written on the subject, and I have even read portions of a couple of them. They're not exactly light bedtime reading, but I do find the subject fascinating. So did you know that worship in the years after Jesus' ministry mostly took place around the dinner table? And they usually got started on Saturday nights. Now, I'm not going to propose that we start that, but I found it interesting. And I also found a book about biblical worship by Michael Barrett. And in it, he references a second century letter written by Justin Martyr. Justin was a great example of Mark's Share One initiative that we're trying to get started. The one that he shared to was actually the current emperor of Rome at the time, Pius. So he might, might have a little advantage on who he was uh, writing to. But in this letter, he included this wonderfully succinct description of Christian worship in the second century. So it goes like this. On the day called Sunday, there is a meeting in one place of those who live in cities or the country, and the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. When the reader has finished, the president, we would say pastor, in a discourse, urges and invites us to the imitation of these noble things. Then we all stand up together and offer prayers, 
And as said before, when we have finished the prayer, bread is brought and wine and water, and the president similarly sends up prayers and thanksgiving to the best of his ability. And the congregation assents. Saying the amen, the distribution and reception of the consecrated elements uh, by each one, and then takes place, uh, uh, takes place, and then they are sent to the absent by the deacons. Now some of that sounds pretty familiar, right? A gathering, a scripture reading, Old and New Testament, prayer, communion. These are all still, still elements that we experience every week right in this very room. Over the years, there have been many elements added and taken away, and of course, we've argued about which ones were the right ones or the best ones, but Justin's letter might be a great explanation of what takes place during a worship service, but is that all that worship really is? No, of course not. We know that. We, we have these big buildings with beautiful stained glass and rooms packed full of technology where we get together and hang out for a couple of hours on a Sunday, but none of that is necessary to worship God. An open heart, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and a love for God is all that is required for worship. Now, with that in mind, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to 1 John 3, 16 through 24. Uh, you can also use that digital bulletin to uh, get a link to that scripture as well. And this whole book is a book that uh, is a letter that John, the gospel writer, sent to fellow Christians in East Asia to encourage them uh, of their salvation and as a warning against those who once believed in the teachings of Christ, but were now rejecting those teachings. So we pick up in verse 16 of chapter 3. We know love by this, that he... Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and truth. And by this we will know that we, from the truth, we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. So you can see here in this text that John is trying to remind everybody of that story in Matthew 22 where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees, and they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he tells them, and I'll, I'll paraphrase here, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on to expand that understanding by saying that just as Jesus sacrificed his life for us, we should sacrifice our lives for our brothers and sisters in need. Now, I don't think John meant that we should go out and martyr ourselves for each other, but rather be willing to back up this commitment that we've made to follow the teachings of Christ. Love requires action. So verse 18 says, 
Little children, let us not let us love not in word or speech, but in deed and truth. So as you can imagine, uh, being a musician often leads me to connect ideas and phrases to songs. As I was reading this verse, I couldn't help but be reminded of the lyrics of the 1992 smash hit, at least in my house it was, by DC Talk, love, L-U-V, love, is a verb. Now this song's featured some of the great lines such as, thinking of a way to explain, oh, cause you know when I'm flowing like a bottle of Drano. Uh, but I chose a different selection to share with you all this morning because it really does sum up uh, this message from John. It says, back in the day there was a man who stepped out of heaven and he walked the land. He delivered to the people an eternal choice with a heart full of love, L-U-V, and the truth in his voice. Gave up his life so that we may live. How much more love, L-U-V, could the Son of God give? Here is the example that we ought to be matching because love is a word that requires some action. I'm sorry, I'm not Toby Mac, and so I wasn't going to attempt to say that in, in the phrasing of Toby Mac. But, but that's it, right? No matter which way you spell it, love is a word that requires action. Love is getting up at 3 a.m. when your potty training child walks into your room and tells you that they are all sweaty and needs, and needs some new clothes and possibly new bedding. Love is gathering around a friend who is battling cancer to pray for and care for them. Love is giving up your Saturday to build a ramp for someone who hasn't been able to leave their house for weeks because they couldn't get their wheelchair down the stairs. Love is texting your friend when he tries to overextend himself when one of his bandmates calls out sick the morning before you're supposed to preach. You know who you are. Love is greeting friends and strangers at the door on a Sunday and making sure that they feel welcome and not alone when they walk into this place. We can think of so many more actions that show God's love, right? This is what John wanted his fellow Christians to know, that love requires action. Love is a verb. Did you remember when I said, when we were talking about worship a few minutes ago, I said that all is required for worship is an open heart, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and a love for God. Well, just like love, worship is also an action. So every month when our Love Him team meets, we don't talk about the next great choral piece that the choir will sing in the sanctuary or the new songs that we want to introduce in this space. We talk about what we can do to foster and create a space where people can participate in worship. And by doing so, hopefully be equipped with the spirit and presence of God to then go and be the hands and the feet of Christ, loving the world back to life one heart at a time. Worship doesn't require a building. Worship doesn't require music or stained glass or fancy screens. These things can help us. They can help prepare our hearts and usher us into a spirit of worship, but they are not required. These gatherings that we have here in this space are to help equip us to love and care for each other and especially our neighbors. Worship requires us to love each other as Christ loves us. And that love requires action. And that love requires us to step into the calling to love and care for all people. 
And by our love, people will know that we are Christians. It's in the name of our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer, Jesus Christ.